You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, Judges 11 is where we want to head to this week. Verse 12. And uh, while on your way there, got a picture. I don't know if Sonia is here. I'm making sure I pronounce it right. I don't see Sonia this morning. Uh, Sonia turned this in last week. I always love... Other new, new other ones of you turning in pictures. This was what we were looking at last week as, as uh, Israel and the Gileadite, Gileadites rejected Jephthah. You know, get out of here. He went with words with his fellows and then come, well, we want you back now. And so his response, why do you come now to me now when you're in trouble? And so they welcomed him back as this, this next judge and deliverer for them and, and um, we looked at that last week up through verse 11, that they made him both, remember that, uh, both head and, and leader, not just for this battle, but we want you to lead us for all time here. So we're going to continue this uh, account of Jephthah. We're not at that vow yet, and if you remember Jephthah's vow, that's next week. You're welcome to read ahead, study it along with me this week, and and let's figure out what's going on with Jephthah and his vow. But that's next week. We're just going to look at this week, Judges 11, 12 through 28 is where we're at. And so let's read God's Word this morning to us. So hopefully you found Judges 11, verse 12. So Jephthah's back now with the people. Verse 12, Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said, What do you have against me that you have come to me to fight against my land? And the king of the Ammonites answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel on coming up from Egypt took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and to the Jordan. Now therefore restore it peaceably. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came up from Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel then sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they sent also to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. Then they journeyed through the wilderness and went around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and arrived on the east side of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. Israel then sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land to our country. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. And the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. And they took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. So then the Lord, the God of Israel, dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. And are you to take possession of them? Will you not possess what Kamosh, your God, gives you to possess? In all that the Lord, our God, has dispossessed before us, we will possess. 
Now, are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend against Israel? Or did he ever go to war with them? While Israel lived in Heshbon, in its villages, and in Aror, in its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, 300 years, why did you not deliver them within that time? I therefore have not sinned against you, and you do me wrong by making war on me. The Lord, the judge, decide this day between the people of Israel and the people of Ammon. But the king of the Ammonites did not listen to the words of Jephthah that he sent to him. Let's pray once again. Lord, as we read your word now before us, we thank you for it. We thank you for what we find in it. There is hope. We thank you for, as Milt was speaking of, your graciousness in the midst of Israel's sin that we see before us. Lord, it's, it's, it's a remembrance again of your great mercy, and we thank you for that mercy. Would you now guide us as we get to study, we get a privilege of looking at your word together. And even today, thank you, Lord, that we are free to gather here together under no threat at this time. And we can gather as your people to worship you in song. And now, Lord, we worship you by being attentive to your word. May you drive it home to our hearts once again of your greatness as we study this. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, before us, what we have in these verses is really just one long text message. There's some, you know, they didn't have iMessage back then, but if you could have looked at it somehow, it maybe went like this. Jephthah pulls out his iRock or whatever, I don't know, you know, right? Just go along with it. Pulls out his iPhone. Hey, Ammon, why are you fighting me? You know, emoji, I don't know. I'm not an emoji guy, but it's like the question mark. Ammon texts us back. He says, no, you took my land with that kind of that red emoji face, like he's angry. And then Jephthah comes back, and Jephthah then gives this one long text. I'm, if some of you, I text, and you get long texts from me, and I should apologize every now and then. I have a keyboard, so it's easy. And there's a point where a text ought to become an email. But maybe you're also a long texter, and you just get into it, and you can write and write. And so what we see, really what we're going to, the bulk of our study is going to be one long text from Jephthah back to the king of Ammon today. But besides the messaging, messaging that's going on here, I want us to see what it is that Israel, the, the newest judge, the newest deliverer on the scene, just what is he up to? What's he doing? Remember, this is Jephthah. He's, remember last week? He's a son of a prostitute. He was rejected by his brothers and he hangs out with worse, worthless people, worthless fellows. And now we're going to find him defending Israel against the accusations of the enemy. He's in a defense mode. The Ammonites, they've come near. The, it, the text says before this, they're already fighting. And yet rather than fight first, which Jephthah is going to do, rather than fight first, he's going to go that diplomatic route maybe. And he's going to play the role, the role of maybe you could say a mediator, certainly a defender, an advocate. For what? For Israel and their inheritance. He wants to grab hold of that because there's greater meaning there. 
But that's what we're going to see him do. So let's head to the text. We're going to make some observations, and we're going to have fun because we get to pull out maps today. So anytime we get maps out, that is fun. You've got them in your bulletin. If you've got that, I've got them up here, so we'll make Linnell work hard today. You can leave that one up there for now. That's great. So, um, but we're going to look at this, and we want to watch this deliverer, this judge, watch him defend Israel and their inheritance. So let's just first look at those short messages. Verse 12. Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites, said, What do you have against me that you've come to me to fight against my land? Here we find he has sent messengers to this king. It's really the same word used for, for angels, um, messengers. We know Jephthah didn't send angels. He sent messengers, but interestingly, same word. But it seems like he wants to figure out, Jephthah, what's, what's the problem here? What do you have against us? Why are you fighting And, as I said, he gets that message back in verse 13 from the king of the Ammonites. Verse 13, he answered the messengers of Jephthah because, so he wants the why, Jephthah does. Well, here's why. Because Israel, on coming up from Egypt, took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and to the Jordan. Then he says, now therefore restore it peaceably. And so we find we're really in this land dispute. That's why, I, I mean, titled, I know it's a little off from the song, but remember that? This land is my land, this land is your. It's a land dispute. Whose land is whose here? What's going on with this? We don't have the name of the king of Ammon, so we'll just call him the king of Ammon or the king or Ammonites. He's nameless, but he accuses Israel of taking his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok. Now, Linnell, could you go forward one slide here? There's one that's a little more zoomed in here. Okay, if you've got this map, it's on the back side. You can flip it over and look. Now, these are some maps that go back to when Israel first entered uh, the area or going towards the Promised Land. You've got the Dead Sea here, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River in between. And I know it's kind of hard to see probably from where you're at. But here's the Arnon River right down here. There's Arnon. And there's Jabbok. I'm sure there's better ways to pronounce those, but that's where they are. So we're kind of dealing with this area. And, and basically the king of Ammon is saying, this is my area. They took my area. They took my land from me. So the question for us, maybe as we read this, is he right? Is the king of Ammon, is, does he have a point here? Did Israel just take away his land? Does he have grounds for this accusation? We know the bulk of the promised land was west of here. So we're still east of the Jordan. And so does he, maybe he's right. Maybe what's going on with this? Well, Scripture is going to answer this question. It's what's so wonderful. We've got help today from other Scriptures. We're going to look at that. But really what then we get into is we get into the, the majority of this long text message of Jephthah coming back to this king is really the defense. Jephthah enters the courtroom as the defense lawyer. And he's going to say, basically, no, Israel is right where Israel is to be. God's put us here. We're where we need to be. We're where God intends us to be. Look at verses 14 and 15 in your text. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites, verse 15, and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. 
In a nutshell, what's the answer? No. King of Ammon, you're wrong. We didn't take away the land. And then verses 16 through 27, the case is going to be laid out from a couple different angles here. But the first is an angle of history. And Jephthah's going to recount some of the history of Israel on their, in their wandering in the desert, this sort of thing, in the wilderness, to get to where they are. Uh, well, not even now, but where they cross the Jordan into the Promised Land. A little bit of a history review. And so I want to put up four different people groups to think through because that's what we're going to find here. So now now we can go back to that other slide. There's only two maps. Yeah, this other. This one helps us. Look, there's, there's four really people groups that we're going to, we're going to look at here. Um, I think in order. This is uh, Edom down here in the green. Edom. So we'll look at that. That's one people group. Then we've got Moab up here. Moab. And then in here, you can kind of see Ammon, but in here is actually Sihon of the Amorites. And I know at this point, you just go, I can't keep these. Okay, I'll just try to pronounce it clear. Amorites and then the Ammonites, two different people, groups. Amorites and kind of the tannish here on this side of the Jordan. And then you've got Ammon up in here and it goes up through there. So these four people groups that we'll kind of look at in this history of, uh, of Israel and their, their travels here. So let's deal with, because the text does, Edom and Moab first. So look at verses 16 then through 18 here. 16 and 18 back in our text. But when they came up, so now Jephthah's making his case about Israel. When they came up from Egypt, you know, Passover, Moses, plagues, remember? That's, that's what he's... When they came up from Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel then sent messengers <clears throat> excuse me, to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they sent also to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. Then they journeyed through the wilderness and went around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and arrived on the east side of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of the Arnon. Now you're starting to okay, know a little geography here. But they did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. All right. Neither Edom nor Moab let Israel come through their land. Basically, they said, if you can see it there, I mean... Here's one route to go all the way around this range here and come back up this side or possibly through here. But the shortcut to their land would be right through here. And Edom and Moab say, no, no shortcut for you, Israel. And yet, we don't find Israel fighting them. They just went around. And that's what the map is showing. They went around this area. I want you to head to Deuteronomy chapter 2. And find some way to mark your place in both. Because we're, doing, we're going to do a little bit of back and forth here this morning. Deuteronomy 2. Such a helpful place when we're asking questions like whose land is my land and their land and all these sorts of things. Look at Deuteronomy 2. And we're going to first look at verses 1 through 5 as it deals with Edom. So what about Edom? And here's, here's what it says. Deuteronomy 2, 1 through five. We won't read all this, just little parts of it here to show you this. And, and pay attention to who's giving what land and that sort of idea. So, 
Here's Moses speaking. Then, then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness, Deuteronomy 2.1, in the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me. And for many days we traveled around Mount Seir. Then the Lord said to me, you've been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward and, northward and command the people. You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir. And they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Now verse 5. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Now you can work on figuring out the places and the journey and how that all worked out, but here's the main takeaway. The Lord did not give Edom to the people of Israel. That's what the text says. They were, in fact, did you catch it? They're relatives of Israel, descendants of Esau, the the red-haired one or the one that ate the red stew, the brother of Jacob. That's Edom. If you think of Edom, you can think of Esau. This is family. This is not your land, Israel. But there's more family. Look at this. Deuteronomy 2, now skip down to verse 8. There's other family. Verse 8 through 9. So we went on, away from our brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, away from the Arabah road, from Elat and Ezion Geber. Again, you can figure out all these places. And we turned and went in the direction of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab or contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land for a possession, because I have given our to the people of Lot for a possession. Again, do you see it? I'm not going to give you any of the land of Moab. You remember Abraham's nephew? His name was Lot. Do you remember Lot? God had brought Lot out of wicked Sodom. And on the way out of Sodom and in their journey, Lot's wife, do you remember? She turned around and looked back and pillar of salt. And there it was, uh, his wife. And then also Lot's sons, did not come out of Sodom. It seems like they stayed there and so they perished with it. And so Lot is left with just his his two daughters-in-law. And so his two daughters-in-law have children through their their father-in-law. It's all the more detail I'll get, but you can figure that out. And the text in Genesis 19 says this. They had two sons. Guess who the sons? The one son, his name, Moab. Moab has Lot as an ancestor. So Moab's essentially, in a a way, their family. It goes back to Lot. And so neither for them has God given the land of Moab. Now next is the Amorites. Sion, the Amorites. So hold somehow Mark, Deuteronomy 2. Jump back to Judges. We're going to do this a couple more times. It's just fun, right? Keeps us jumping. It's Bible exercise. And uh, look back at Judges now. I'm in verse 19 through 22. Edom not given. Moab not given. What about this place? What about the Amorites? Israel, so, so Judges 11, 19. Israel then sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land to, your, to our country. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory, 
So Sihan gathered all his people together and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. And I'm reading through 22. And the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. And now listen, now that you've got some geography going in your mind. And they took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. Remember that map? That map with the big green. Now the other map, Linnell. Great. You're just like keeping up. Now this one. Remember this, this area here from the Arnon to the Jabbok. This kind of greener area. Sihon of the Amorites. Now we find a, there's a parallel account in Numbers 21. And we find that this land, it, it's sandwiched here like this between these rivers. Formerly it was of Moab, not not formerly of the Ammonites. And the Amorites had taken this land from the Moabites. So if you can make sense of all that. But God here was giving this land to Israel. All right, I said, keep your hand in Deuteronomy. So is this land theirs? Now look back, Deuteronomy 2. Skip ahead to verse 24. And I want to read 24 and 25. Here's the Lord to Moses. Deuteronomy 2.24 says, Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. So Sihon be presented a problem. They wouldn't let them. They came out for war. They wouldn't let Israel come through. But also Sihon, the Amorites, presented something of the Lord to use, a problem to be used in the future, and that was to send fear to everybody else where Israel was going. God was working through this this particular enemy who wouldn't pass, let them pass through for future things. And so God clearly, He does give the Amorites, that area, to Israel. All right, Judges 11, 23 now, and 24. I think I've got one more of these. So back, 11, 23, 24. Here's really the, we're, we're coming home with Jephthah's message here. And just look through here how many times, I don't look at all the translations, how many times your scripture says possess, the idea of possessing. So, so Judges 11.23, So then the Lord, the God of Israel, dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. This is Jephthah speaking to the king of Ammon. And are you to take possession of them? Will you not possess what Kamosh, your God, gives you to possess and all that the Lord, our God, has dispossessed before us, we will possess. What is Jephthah saying here in different ways? He's saying we possess only what our Lord, what God has caused us to possess. I mean, you, take, you take what Kamosh, your God, has given you. Now, I don't know, a little side note, does that mean Jephthah sees Kamosh as a, 
as a real God, or an actual God? I, I'm not sure. It's hard to say. I'd like to think he doesn't, that he's using this just like an, like an argument, um, a way of negotiation for, uh, for the king of Ammon, I'm, but I'm not sure. But we got that going on. But basically saying, you, you, take, you keep what's yours, king of Ammon, and God has given this to us. It's what we have. So look at, look at where this comes from. Back in Deuteronomy 2, just one last place. Thanks for turning back and forth. Deuteronomy 2, uh, 19, you can head back there. You remember I said Lot had two daughters, daughter-in-laws. The one bore him Moab and the other. The other we won't look there, but Genesis 19, 38 says this. The younger of Lot's daughter-in-laws also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. So Lot's two daughter-in-laws have Moab and Ben-Ami of the Ammonites. Ammonites. Okay, so then look at Deuteronomy 2.19. So this is again, the Lord to Moses, when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, not the Amorites, now the Ammonites, the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for a possession. And now that makes sense if we think about the, the lineage of Lot and those daughters-in-law. Ammonites, they, it was not a possession for Israel to take. So, in fact... In one sense, the king of Ammon had nothing to worry about. Israel was not to take his land. But the king of Ammon, is, he wants to extend his kingdom. He wants a little more land. That's where he's going to get in trouble. And God had caused Israel to possess or inherit this place that Ammon wants, that land. God didn't give them Edom or Moab or the Ammonites, but he did give this land of the Amorites, this little strip, and then, and then it kind of expands up to the north, the kingdoms of Sihon and, and Og up there. And you can read more about those in different places, but he did not give them the Ammonites. All right, well, you can head back to Judges 11. Now, a little geography, a little history for where Jephthah is bringing all this. We have this, but we don't have this. He's explaining it to us. And I love how Deuteronomy 2 just helps us see all that. And so we come back to verses 25 and 26, and I'm, I'm not going to read them, but Jephthah, has, he's laid out the history, fill in some details, you know, basically your claim on this land that, that we're in, it's, that's a bogus claim, but he's not done, and you get these verses 25 and 26, and again, for time's sake, we won't reread them, but Jephthah's going to basically make some other arguments here. One of them is Number one, do you think you're better than Balak? Remember Balak? Balak and Balaam, Balaam's donkey that time. Balak wants, wants Balaam to curse Israel. Balak of Moab. He's basically, Jephthah's saying to the king of Ammon, are you better than him? Do you think you're going to... I mean, he tried the curse. It didn't work. You think you're going to have greater success with trying to go against these people? That's one angle. And then the other one, verse 26 Argument number two from time, it's been some 300 years. Why, why now? Why are you just seeking this land? How, how come you guys, 
300 years you haven't come here, and now you're trying to do this? And so he's arguing. But in verse 27, it kind of all comes to this closing argument of Jephthah, and it begins emphatically with this, therefore, or a, a double I, like I, I therefore have not sinned. So let's look at it. Look at that verse, Judges eleven twenty-seven. Jephthah says to him, I therefore have not sinned against you, and you do me wrong by making war on me. The Lord, the judge, decide this day between the people of Israel and the people of Ammon. And here's this phrase, the Lord, the judge. It's actually, if you, you know, the Hebrew, you could translate it, the Lord, the judge, judge this judge between the people of Israel today. I know the ESV has decide. Could be judge. The Lord, the judge, he judge. And it seems like you could compare what Jephthah's saying here with maybe what we would, we would find in a courtroom. Someone puts their hand on the Bible and, and you know, says they've, they've got an oath, I'm going to tell the truth, so help me God. Almost Jephthah's saying, in front of the Lord who is the judge, between see who's right between us, but I am... I am in the right here before the great judge, before the Lord. Jephthah can really appeal to no one higher than the Lord. And so his defense is laid out before the Lord. Essentially, he says, this is, this is the way it is. I'm confident we've not sinned. And so confident, I can stand before the judge of all. The judge. So, there's really no reason here for the king of Ammon to be disputing with Israel. Other than, remember kind of why this all started in the first place? Because of Israel's. The, the problem, Israel straying after other gods. And God's graciously bringing all this to bear on them that they would turn back to Him. In fact, in Judges 10.6 it says, out of the gods that Israel was serving... It says that they were serving um, you know, the Baals and the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sion, the gods of Moab, and the gods of the Ammonites. They were actually had been serving the gods of the people now coming against them, the gods of the Ammonites. And so in one sense, Israel, we, as we've seen as we looked at before this section, that they are being judged by the judge. He's bringing judgment on them that they would return and yet at the same time, as Milt brought out, the Lord's mercy is on His people because who is defending them? Jephthah. He's a deliverer of Israel. He's making a defense before the enemy of Israel that says what they possess is from God. And he defends them before this king of Ammon. Verse 28 just kind of ends. King of Ammonites didn't listen to the words. You know, I don't know if he shut down, turned his phone over, whatever. Not listening. I'm done. And then we're going to see the outcome of that as we look into next week. The battle, the vow, you can look that as we, as we look into that. But as we look back, I just want to kind of broad view now back over what, what we've looked at today. We see Jephthah really as this, I think, an ultimate. He's an advocate for the people of Israel and the land. He defends them before the king of Ammon. This is their land. And if there's any doubt, Jephthah appeals again to the judge of all. 
Like last week, I would ask again, can you think of anyone else? Can you think of anyone else who would defend and be an advocate for the inheritance of his people? Think of anyone that fits that description. There are a couple of places we could go in the New Testament, and one of them is Ephesians 1. But we're not going there, and it's so, I love that. You've already been there. Do you remember what Milt read? Ephesians 1. I want you to head to uh, Hebrews 9, 11, and look at this. Who is this one who would defend and be an advocate forever for the inheritance of his people? Head to Hebrews chapter 9. This is our last stop on our our Bible journey this morning. Good job for keeping up. Hebrews 9, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 15 here. The writer of Hebrews is explaining, he's saying, none of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they could not truly perfect, I think it means cleanse, the conscience from sin. They, w- they wouldn't, those, old, those sacrifices wouldn't just cleanse the conscience. And a new covenant, a better promise was needed, something better was needed. And look at Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. Because the better came through someone, the Son of God. Look at Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. But when Christ, here it is, appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he who's he? Christ, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then verse 15, Therefore, who is Christ? Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. The question coming out of today's sermon, it's, it's not so much what do, you, what do you need to do on Monday? What should you be doing today? Although I think that can flow out of this. Not so much maybe what you need to confess, though there might be something to confess in the midst of this. The question today for us is one of belief. Do you believe that Christ, we see maybe a shadow, maybe a picture, we see it here, there's a much greater, in Jephthah, we see a greater advocate in Christ. Do you believe that Christ is your sure advocate of all of what God has graciously given you in Him? Is He a sure advocate for you? Do you believe you are a fellow heir, H-E-I-R, a fellow heir with Christ? That His blood has indeed cleansed you from your sin. Sins are cleansed in Christ. 
Do you believe you are a son or daughter of the King of Kings who is Lord of Lords? That's your identity. That's who you are. You are a son and daughter of the Judge of all. Call Him Father. And do you believe that all of this, all of what we have is held by your Deliverer, your Advocate, your Savior, Jesus Christ? Do we believe that? Even It's a challenge to me. Is Do we believe how great of news that is? I know we hear it here and there. We sing it. To just freshen our minds of belief of what we have in Jesus Christ. Our eternal redemption, our cleansed consciences, we've got an eternal inheritance and it's made sure through Jesus Christ. No government can take that away. Praise the Lord. No society, no culture can take that inheritance away. No one, even in your own family, somebody doesn't like where you're going with, with Christ and following Him, it can't be taken away. And, and even if we understand God's call rightly, you can't even take it away. God's doing this work calling you to Himself. So when the enemy accuses and says, your sin is too much, you know, you, give me my land back, the blood of Christ speaks for that inheritance. When the enemy says, again, this possession, it's not yours. You don't really own this land. You have Christ forever and eternity to live with the Lord in His presence where there's joy forevermore. No, you don't have that. That's the, that's the enemy speaking. Our answer, only by the grace that we sang about have we been granted an inheritance in Christ through His blood, made sure by His resurrection and guaranteed by His Spirit who lives within. We have a sure land, a sure inheritance. We have an advocate, not us, not our wits and our intelligence, Jesus Christ. May you rejoice today in that defender, in your advocate, in your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, there is an immensity to the truth of what this means for us today, this Sunday, as we gather in Leroy, in a place southeast Minnesota. There is a grand truth of all of what we have in Christ. Access to our Heavenly Father. We can pray at all hours of the day. We can trust You that, that no sin can thwart our relationship with You because we're covered in the blood of Christ. We have His righteousness, not ours, His. Thank You, Lord, for these truths. Thanks you, thank You for the land that we did not deserve, the inheritance we do not deserve. But for Your glory, You have called us from darkness into light. And Lord, I pray for any heart today here that is yet in darkness, that has not grabbed hold of their inheritance in Christ. May they today see their sin for what it is and repent and turn by faith to you, Jesus. May we walk in joy. May you help us believe. Lord, we believe help our, one in the New Testament, help our unbelief. Lord, thank you that you go mercifully before us. Lead us 
along. And we thank you for your advocacy on our behalf. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.